So on a on a totally um, different note, I follow DJ Khaled on Snapchat. Who doesn't? Cool. And um, <laughs> does he, and follow, he, seems does like he the, follow you back or? Oh no. Oh. Hey everyone, my name is Jared Hogan, and I'm Christian Schultz, and this is good. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. Yeah, totally. Thank you for having me. I'm 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 honored. So, just let me tell you how this kind of happened. I know we kind of talked about it in the email chain a little bit. So we had Mark Romanic on the show mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago. And I was like, man, it'd be great to ask Mark who we should have on the show. Like, what would be who would some, be somebody cool to have on the show? And the first person he answered back with was like, this guy Daniel Kaufman's doing this really awesome video with Jay Z and Future and DJ Khaled. And I was like, oh, cool. So this is going to be like a little bit of like a get to know you episode. So I'd love to like awesome. kind of hear how everything got started, like for you, and like what kind of what's the trajectory and what's the hope and dreams and everything. So let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Well, first of all, it's just, it's, it's just ridiculous, uh, how good Mark has been to me. Uh, like, like that story is indicative of like every interaction that I've had with him. I, I really need to like, give him an agent's fee just because like, <laughs> it seems like everywhere he's going, people are like, how was your day today? He's like, have you heard of Daniel Kaufman? You know, that's um, amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm really grateful to that. And I heard the episode that you guys did with him and it was great. Um, he's um, like super, super generous. He's great. The, the nicest guy. He's the nicest guy. Um, but in terms of my story, um, I'm from Vermont. I'm sort of, uh, like, uh, the child of two cinephiles. Uh, you know, I grew up in this house with like thousands and thousands of VHS (laughs) on our third, on our third floor. And, um, I wasn't really allowed to watch them, um, for the first like 10 years of my life. But, um, my parents would like describe the plots of all of these great old movies to me when I was like barely able to walk. Um, and so I've, (laughs) I've sort of always wanted to do movies and, um, you know, was raised in this household with lots of arts. Like my mother was a writer and my father was like a multi-hyphenate, like career blending, uh, artist dude who like could never monetize any of the stuff that he was doing, <laughs> but, but was yeah. always like endlessly idealistic about his work. You know, he was a painter yeah. and then, um, and then was a children's book illustrator and writer. And then, um, for the longest amount of my childhood, he was a radio show host. And so I sort of like grew up on the floor of this small town radio station, um, and would like travel around the state of Vermont with him as he interviewed people. And I think that like that kind of mixed with my mom's like intense cinephilia, that was like her religion pretty much. Uh, I, uh, give me like the, like yeah. the, the niche that she was in. The niche that she was in. Well, she used to go to this, this, well, what was it called? Well, I mean, she 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 met my my godparents uh, when she she was working at TV Guide in in LA, uh, like okay. r- as a writer or as a copy editor, I think. And apparently, sure. apparently, every day she used to sneak away from work for lunch <laughs> and go to LACMA, you know, which is the LA County yeah, yeah. Museum of Art across the street, and they would do these daytime screenings of movies. 
Um, and uh, she met my godparents that way. My godparents were sort of like acolytes of Pauline Kales, um, and uh, they would all just like gather around fiendishly and like watch movies. And she met my godparents sharing milk duds in uh, a screening of Gone with the Wind. Um, that's amazing. And that's just sort of, that's just sort of like indicative of like the culture that my family was in, like intense lovers of yeah. movies and the arts, you know? I, um, I just started, uh, I, this, this seems like it could be like a totally failed experiment, but I've got a six year old girl who, um, her name's Winnie and she loves movies, you know, like kind of like the kind of movies that you'd expect for a six year old girl to love. And, um, like Stan Brackage or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Stan Brackage because that's like uh, such a uh, romantic pick. Stan oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's like that was like the first thing he got me to watch was was that. Oh, that's- um, but uh, yeah, but you know, like we just went and saw Finding Dory. But I came across this um, this book by this guy named Ty Burr, and it's like how to kind of like expose your kids to really great movies. And so like we, over the past like two or three weeks, we've been watching like, uh, a lot of like, um, Harold Lloyd and, mm. uh, like Buster Keaton and like, and like, uh, even like Stagecoach, she like totally got into and like seeing in the rain. So I, uh, I'm curious to kind of hear how that's like affected you. Like when did you start to feel the effect of like these kinds of movies kind of entering your, uh, your brain really early. I mean, it's funny those movies that you mentioned them. Like, like I loved Buster Keaton when I was a little kid, and actually, are you a Buster Keaton guy or a Chaplin guy? If you had to choose, oh, I'm totally a Buster Keaton guy. Like, I love, I, I like, yeah, Char- Charlie Chaplin's amazing, but but I, I really feel like I always related to the kind of like uh, grim reality on on Buster Keaton's yeah. face. You know, he could do all these fanciful things, but ultimately, mm-hmm. he was like, "Well, I'm still this depressed dude." You know, uh, and in fact, like one of my favorite, one of my earliest film memories is watching that Buster Keaton movie. I think it's College, um, which and never seen that one. It's I don't really remember the majority of the movie. I think the plot is pretty stock, but the it has the greatest ending to like any movie, and it's something that I've wanted to steal forever. Which is that (laughs) it's like a guy, you know, it's like a a a guy meets girl, guy gets girl kind of kind of movie. And then at the end, he like he ends up with the girl, and you see them hugging. And then it cuts, and they're like ten years older, and they have a kid. And then it cuts, and it's like they're ten years older, and they have wrinkles. And then it cuts, and they're ten years older, and they're in rocking chairs. And then it cuts, and it's like ten years later, and it's just their graves next to each other. And, Heavy. and I fucking loved that. I loved that. <laughs> that it was amazing. like, you know, it was like that. That that was like everything that is Buster Keaton, you know, it's like comedy yeah. and drama and this kind of like, just, I don't know, like a larger context than you would have in most, in most comedies. And I just, I really love that. But like in answer to your question, like I, I just feel like the thing that movies really did for me and specifically those kind of movies. And when I say those kind of movies, I, I guess, I mean like there's, I feel like there's sort of an idealism to yeah uh, some of those, those like early silent movies and also like, I don't know, like, my favorite movies when I was growing up were, like, I loved, like, The Adventures of Robin Hood and, and like, The Greatest yeah. greatest. Escape. That's actually the first movie that we that I showed to my daughter was The Adventures of Robin Hood. Really? It's so physical. Yeah, yeah. that was the first one we watched. It's just something about it that's, like, well, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like amazing characters. 
it's like super saturated. I mean, it literally is yeah. super saturated, but it's also like in terms of the human qualities, it's really super saturated. And yeah, and I just feel like uh, it, you know those those things kind of imbued me with that kind of curiosity. I mean, and I just saw the way that like my parents like. You know, my parents were all, I, I feel like, and they still, they still are, like, the kind of people who, like, they, they, they have their favorites that, like, never change, you know? And they're not people right. who are, like, damn modern culture. Like, they're very embracing of new Yeah, things. sure. But, but there is this sense of, like, they're like, well, whatever new stuff is being released, like, there's still just this bastion of history that, like, right, yeah. right, you know, and, right. and, and culture that you should immerse yourself in. And I think it really made me, like, an appreciator, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I think that's really important. It's funny, my, my, my girlfriend's a children's book uh, writer and illustrator. And, and uh, you know, I feel like uh, through talking to her about some of her work, like that's the first time I've thought about like what kids need, like, you know, as they're growing up, like what values you want to give them. And I mm. think like curiosity seems like the most important in some ways. And like having that like vast library of movies, just like really just like opened my world. And yeah. in many ways, I was living in, you know, a small town in Vermont. And so it was like very instructive for me to, to have all of these like windows into different worlds, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. And so you're exposed to these movies. Um, oh, brothers, sisters mm. growing up. I have an older sister named Anna. She's four years older than me. She's a really good writer. Uh, okay. She works in a bookstore. Was she like the quintessential like older sibling who showed you everything cool? Um, I always or is thought that more your parents. I think I showed her everything cool. <laughs> <laughs> right on. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, we were just like, I yeah. No, I don't know. I think I think my like I think my my tastes were like, I don't know. I don't mean to sound. I like my tastes were always were always sort of my sort of my own. Like I if I was ever good. Like the thing that I think I'm best at is just like liking things, you know, I like, I really, yeah. I just, I just really like, there were things that I just really liked when I was a kid and I liked them hard and I don't really know where I got that from. I mean, some of the shit's from my parents, but like, sure. Yeah. I don't know, but I love my sister. What are some, what are some of those things other than like film and stuff? Other than film? Um, I mean, I always like, uh, I always really liked climbing trees when I was a little kid. <laughs> right. Um, and you went hard into that, right? I went hard, hard. Into <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, I mean like, you know, uh, like, uh, my sister is actually the one thing that I did get from my sister, I think is like, she, uh, is the most voracious reader I've ever met. She reads like 250 books a year or something like that. Wow. Um, but, uh, but, uh, um, you know, like I re- like I, I I really loved uh, loved reading when when I was a kid, and I and I really you know went into that hard. And then like still photography was the other thing that um, I sort of like fell in love with. Like I discovered William Eggleston when I was like twelve, mm-hmm. and 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 just like I don't like I don't know why I loved that. And then you know, but but I but I I I, I did like I I just really yeah. Um, yeah. couldn't couldn't get enough of it. And I sort of like, I, I don't know. I think my parents like always like, you know, they indulged my, my interest in, in that kind of stuff to the, to the extreme. Um, you know, but because I think they're both, you know, such eccentrics in their own way. Yeah. When did it kind of transition from like, um, like liking and appreciating to like applying to like mm. what you're interested in? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I took a, I took like a film class in in high school, and I don't know. It was like I, like I, I made, I made this movie. I was sort of obsessed with The Evil Dead in in middle school, yeah. and and I, I made this horror movie in high school. Uh, I don't even remember really what it was about. There was like an imaginary friend, and 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 there was like uh, some violent scene where someone got stabbed with a pencil, I think. Um, uh, but, uh, I remember uh, like that was the moment when I was like, I, I, I was just, re- I really, I loved like, uh, I guess I, I like, I loved applying the fake blood and like, I loved, I loved, you know, pointing the camera around and, and I, I have yeah. all, I have all of these like mini DV tapes, uh, from that period of time that I haven't really gone through that I'd probably be like super embarrassed about if I actually looked at them. But I think that, yeah. you know, I was probably like 13, 14 when I made those. And I, and I remember really annoying my friends because I was like, you know, they were like, you know, it was the weekend and, the, and they were like, let's, uh, go hang out somewhere. And I was like, let's, let's like make a movie. Um, and I, I remember it was like, <laughs> right, exactly. I, I, wa- I wanted to do that. And I had one other friend who wanted to do that. And there was always sort of a competition about like, you know, who could, who, who, who got to be behind the camera and who got to yeah. be bossed around. <laughs> so it was like, it was, you know, it was a discovery process, but it was a little rough. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I guess when did it really turn into something where you were like, can I do this? Like for like a, a living, like a job? Well, um, when did that become a reality? Uh, like last week. Um, uh, no, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> cool, cool. You know, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, it's still, it's st- like, you know, I'm still, how a old ma- are you? I have no idea how old you are. How old are you guys? I'm 25, 29. Oh, I'm, I'm 28. Um, Perfect. yeah. So I, 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 um, yeah, I mean, I'm still like amazed that I, that I'm doing this that I'm actually doing it for, for a living. But like the, I think the moment right. that, that, that I first like got to do anything professionally was like, I'd gone, I went to film school and when I first got into film school, my, my dad, uh, sort of switched careers again and went from, yeah. from doing like radio stuff to, he was like, he decided he was going to, um, make documentaries. Um, mm. and I, you know, I, I, uh, that was convenient for me because like, as soon as I got out of film school, he was like, you know, doing these, these projects and he needed someone to shoot them. And so like one of my first jobs getting out of school was, was shooting these documentaries for my dad. And, um, you know, they were did he decide to do that? Do you know? Uh, I mean, I think it hits at the same instincts, uh, as like the, you know, the radio show, show host, uh, Mm -hmm. you, you know, like both involve like, chasing people's stories and, um, you know, like diving into these things like headfirst with curiosity. Um, and I, I think that that it sort of combined that with, with something that he'd always loved, which was, um, which was movies. Um, and then on top of that, uh, his marriage with my, with my mom was like ending. So (laughs) I think he needed, I think he needed to find, he probably needed to find something, uh, to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I mean that's sort of like, you know, I, I really never expected that. Like, I entered into film school just like purely out of my own like love for movies, and never with an interest in documentary. Um, but in many ways, the fact that he decided to do that kind of pushed me forward into uh, 
like the first real phase of my career and something that still kind of defines what I'm all about and what I, what I do now, you know? So you get out and you start making docs with your, with your dad. Dude, what um, a life, man. That that's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> that does sound incredible. Um, yeah. Like what were you, um, I'm assuming that wasn't part of your plan. Like you said, uh, what, what like were you hoping to do? And like, what are you kind of hoping to like do? Like what, where does your interest lie? Like at this moment? Right. Well, I mean, my interest has always been in just feature films. Like I, I like, I, that's, yeah. you know, that's what I have always been, uh, into. Um, but you know, I, and, and, and when I, I don't know, I mean, for me, like I've, I've dealt, like I've, depression has been like a huge part of like my life and my, my family's history. And I think right after I got out of film school, I hit a huge wave of that, you know, just because like I realized that I wasn't going to be able to make like my magnum opus at 23, you know, and, and, is that um, age thing still kind of, cause I think me and Christian, probably me more than Christian can totally relate Yeah, that like you go on IMDB and read when Orson Welles, (laughs) <laughs> made Citizen Kane or, or even like when, you know, like PTA made Heart Eight and it's like yeah. so depressing to think about that I'm not going to follow mm-hmm. that, uh, that like format, that template. Um, yeah. I mean, there's hard. There definitely is like a cult of youth, but, uh, but I also like, again, I mean, my, my dad, I, it's funny. It's my dad's wedding. Uh, he's getting remarried. Uh, this weekend and I I had to write a speech for his wedding. Um, and, uh, one of the quotes that I put in the speech is like one of his favorite quotes and it's from the Japanese painter Hokusai. And it was basically like, this is like a total paraphrase, but he was like, when I was nine, uh, I was artistically, uh, an idiot. You know, when I was like 60, uh, I was still an idiot. When I was 75, like I began to crawl when I when I'm 90, wow, uh, yeah. when I, like when I'm 90, I'll be able to paint adequately. When I'm 110, I can make things sing or something like that. And, wow, uh, yeah. and, and my, my dad loves that. You know, he's a guy who's like reinvented his career a bunch of times. And, and I, I really, I really like, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I innately have that sense of optimism. And I definitely like when, like I was saying, when I got out of film school, I was like, wow, I'm 23. Like, you know, uh, I'm already too old, you know, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but I also have to kind of combat that with a sense of realism in that, like, you know, people have tons of different paths. And as long as you have an interesting narrative, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, um, it feels good to like arrive at that conclusion, but I feel like for a lot of us, it's like, we kind of revert back to at least I'll speak for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, it's good to like convince myself of that and believe that that's true. But then there are so many moments of like, mm-hmm. but I still haven't accomplished anything, yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. There's time, it's always, but it's always interesting. Like hearing, I mean, we, we interview a lot of people on this podcast and even in conversations just personally, like, I mean, we, we just talked to, you know, a really well-known director, you know, um, like today, And he was, he kind of said, you know, like the same exact thing, like he's, you know, closer to 40 and he feels like he hasn't done anything, you know what I mean? And it's like, it doesn't really feel like it ever changes, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm always going to feel like that. And and I, and I I feel like it's sort of important to always, always feel like that. I mean, if you, 
I don't know. I mean, I like, I like, you know, I think it's funny. It's a double edged sword. Cause I think, I think in my family, there's definitely like, I come from, from like a lineage of people who like are constantly convinced that they've already failed, you know what I, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. and I think a little bit of that is important cause it like pushes you to keep like right. working and keep reinventing yourself. But you know, um, it's a balance. It's a balance. I mean, you know, I, I think like basically like as soon as you like let go of your expectations for yourself, I mean, this is, it's sort of both. It's like it's it, one, one, like you have to keep pounding yourself and two, it's like as soon as I let go of my expectations for myself, like that was when I sort of allowed myself to just sort of like find out what my life was and like find yeah. out what, what my story was going to be. I mean, like I was saying like, you know, I got out of film school and I was like really depressed because like, uh, you know, I, I remember I made a short that I was really happy with and I'd raised money for it and we'd shot on 16 millimeter and I was like, damn, this is like the best thing that I, that I've made. It's like better than anything I made in film school. Uh, I submitted it to a bunch of festivals, didn't get in anywhere, you know? And I was like, shit, well now I'm like <laughs> broke uh, you know, made this thing. No one gives a fuck about it. Um, I'm not getting any jobs from it. And, uh, and you know, I like, I, I really didn't know what to, what to do. And like, I, you know, I was finding like basic work, but not work directing. And I hated it. And like, I'm the worst yeah. PA in the world. So I was like, <laughs> you know, I'd like spill any coffee that I got for anyone. And then, and then basically my dad was like, hey, I met this Haitian priest at a party and I'm going to go try to make a documentary about him. Do you know any, do you have any friends who are like cinematographers? And I, I wasn't really doing any shooting at that point, but I was like, I was like, I really want to go to Haiti. Like you should hire me. And he's like, well, even though you're my son, like I'm not going to just hire you if you can't actually do it. And I was like, no, I can do it. I can do it better than, than anyone. And so I sort of like, you know, more or less taught myself how to use a camera and, that's awesome. And went went with him. And I think in some ways like that, you know, uh, like I wanted to be directing, but like even just shooting on that, like gave me a sense of like just possibility. You know what I mean? Like the sense right. that like, yeah. like that, like, dude, like, you know, things, things that you don't expect to happen will happen. You know, you know what I mean? I think that's the most important thing in terms of just like maintaining your sense of just possibility and like continuing yeah. to work, you know? So you did that and how, what was that experience like? It was amazing. It was one of the most formative experiences of my life. Like, uh, mm -hmm. both good and bad, you know I mean? It was like, I spent like a month with my father in a storage container on the top of a mountain in Haiti. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we like rode three people to a motorcycle and like, uh, and, and, like we would go to bed to the sound of like uh, to the sound of like snoring Frenchmen and and like <laughs> voodoo drums cascading up from the bottom of the mountain and um, and Haiti's was, hot too. Oh like my nobody god! Nobody really talks about how hot Haiti is, but have you been to Haiti? Yeah, I've been to Haiti. It's it's it was hot and it had a very specific. It wasn't a terrible smell, but it was a very specific smell that like I kind of miss sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know no, what I mean? No, I totally know what you mean. I think it's smell the smell of burning. Like uh yeah, yeah. Things, things 
burning. I mean, that's sort of a reductive thing because I mean, in the, like in the mountains, it smells it smells different. It smells actually like really crisp. But like, I mean, the thing about like, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Like the thing about Port-au-Prince specifically is that like they burn their trash like on the out right. on the outskirts of Port Port-au-Prince, like. You know, if you've been there, you know, like literally like you drive like 10 miles outside of Port-au-Prince and there's just like right next to the only road, there's this giant dump where they're burning trash and burning tires and the smoke just wafts over the main highway and it's just like putrid, you know. Um, But uh, yeah, it's funny. Like I've had that experience a few times in the United States where I've been like, wow, I just got total deja vu to Haiti and I realized it's just the smell of like... It's the smell of burn, of something right. burning. <laughs> um, burning. But it is stuff. Yeah, burning stuff. So yeah, it is. No, it's super hot, and it was really challenging. And um, uh, like it was the first time I'd been to a third world country, and we were also just like doing this. The documentary was about this really amazing guy who you should you should like look him up. But his name's Father Joseph, and he's like this uh, uh, sort of liberation theology priest who, uh, you know, because uh, his rural town, you know, in the, in the mountains, like received no goods from the Haitian government or no utilities yeah. or services, he basically created this whole infrastructure himself. He like built this road, built a university, built a school, built a clinic. And like, wow. w- w- like you know, back when the Duvalier was in power was like, you know, uh, almost assassinated, and and so like we, we just you know we had a really intense experience while we were down there, um, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like in many ways that just sort of like again it showed me that like it was possible for people to have those kind of experiences in their life. Like yeah. I know that I know that sounds like a really simple lesson, but it's like I feel like a lot of people just go through their lives like thinking like oh like this weird thing that I've never done is just like not possible for me, and like. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like often, you know, it's just important to like accept the fact that like, you know, you you can you can make things possible. Yeah, Daniel, I have a question real quick, and if it's if you don't want to talk about it, that's cool. But yeah, um, do you still battle with some of that depression now? Yeah, totally. I mean, how less, does, how does less, that like less so now because I'm on I'm on Prozac, but yeah. yeah. How does that act? Well, maybe like throughout even off of that project and trying to do your own thing, becoming a director. And even now, like how does that necessarily like affect what you're doing as a director or like even, you know, the way that you work? Um, I mean, try to just forget about it or is it like, do you kind of accept it and kind of use it in some way? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I I use it. I mean, like, I I don't know. I I have sort of mixed feelings about it because like, I think I, when I, when I was a teenager, um, you know, I sort of loved the myth that like depression kind of made you a more sensitive artist or something like that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I remember being a high school student, like reading Baudelaire and being like, oh, I'm really cool. Uh, and, but now, now when I think about it, you know, it's like, I think that's sort of a myth, you know, like Hmm. I think you can be happy and still be, you know, a really functional, uh, like thinker or, 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 or artist, um, uh, you know, so like, but I still think that, you know, it serves me. I mean, you know, it's like a larger question. It's like what causes the, 
the depression. Like, I mean, for me, for my family, I think it's just like chemical. And I think that, that I, I, I just benefit from it because like, uh, I, I realized that I've like over, overcome stuff, you know, I like, I came from a pretty, you know, like we didn't always have money, but like I came from a family that like, you know, didn't struggle. I mean, we struggled, but like, you know, we, we, we were, I was fine. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have to right, overcome right. very much in terms of that. Like I'm a white man. So like, you know, what right. do I really have to complain about? But, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, you know, like the depression is something like I remember when I got out of college being like, you know, if I can overcome this, that's like the biggest battle of my life. And, and I feel like, uh, that has informed my work just in, in terms of, uh, I guess like having more respect for people who like really do have to fight to, uh, you know, give themselves room to be expressive or be functional or whatever. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. The idea that like, you know, because I did think that of the same uh, when whenever I started making films, like that I hadn't, um, and I talk about this with with other filmmakers and stuff that like I hadn't, um, you know, more or less like been through pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't have like you said, like I hadn't had any really like um, big experiences other than like you know stuff like you know angsty teenager stuff. Like, you know, I asked a girl out and she, she didn't say she wanted to go out with me or something. I'm, like I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a, like a, it's like a big thing in my life, you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, like it doesn't it, – it, I always thought that I had to be a like, really complex person in order to make complex work. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think, like, I'm, I'm really agreeing with you I'm, uh, with the idea that, like, um, it doesn't really come from that. I think it comes from something else. I'm not sure what it comes from. Um, well, my thing that I, I mean? yeah, I mean, my, my thing that I always like hated about my depression was that it always made me like really self-centered. You know what I mean? Like, like mm. when I'm really depressed, I'm like just thinking about myself and, yeah. and that doesn't feel like me. You know what I mean? Like my, my work process and just sort of like my, like what I love is like the thing that I love about documentary that I've really come to love about documentary is that like, it's a way of getting outside yourself, you know, like, um, like when I was in college, like I, um, uh, was really into like mumblecore and stuff like that. And, um, uh, you know, I remember talking to people about that and, and, and the the thing that I, that I, I, I always like, couldn't like I love the idea of of you know the like making the process kind of like surround you know uh, having it having it be really accessible to yourself but but I I was also always like I couldn't tell if I was like ashamed of my own story or or just like not interested in my own story the thing that I could never really reconcile was like I always wanted to make stories about other people you know and I mean yeah. like I didn't want to do like something autobiographical. And I still feel that way, and I think the documentary was sort of my answer to that, in, in that it's like uh, it gives you this opportunity to escape yourself and to yeah. delve into other worlds and to really just like allow your voice to be a function of your create of your uh, curiosity, 
you know, and, and, yeah. and so like, I think to me, that's my answer to, to that question of like, you know, like, you, you know, you said, do you have to be like a really like complicated person to make complicated work? And I, I think you should just be like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like, like what my work is just all about curiosity, basically. It's just all about sort of like asking questions and, and, uh, I, I mean that literally just like, you know, like, uh, you know, and and so in that sense, it's like, you know, um, uh, some of my work may feel like all over the place in terms of subject matter, but I think it's, it's really just a matter of like, uh, you know, reaching outside of myself, you know, and in some ways my work was an answer to my depression, you know what I mean? Mm. Like being able, being able to like get out of it, you know, and get out of my head. We um, we had a guy on um, a couple episodes ago. His name's A. G. Rojas. And he's a great director. Yeah, I love I love um, his stuff. And he was yeah he was talking about like um, it's it's kind of interesting. Cause he had like a similar kind of trip where he like got away and kind of had some time to like evaluate um, who he was and kind of how that related to like his career. Do you feel like that trip to Haiti was kind of defining for you know not just you personally but like the work that was kind of like coming out of you did you feel like your work was different when you got back yeah i mean i think that it had more of a respect for the rest of the world you know like Mm -hmm. uh, you know just like again in terms of like reaching outside of myself you know like or like seeing you know seeing what the world actually was and and also just like you know the fact that it was also just like a documentary and 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 that you know like I, I really wasn't familiar with the process of, of documentaries. And so being able to jump into that was like super instructive to me because it showed me not only, not only was it like, wow, like even these small moments with people can be so fascinating, but you know, it was a lot of lessons. It was like, it was, it was like that it was, uh, wow. People are so willing to tell you their stories you know, and yeah, yeah. you, you know what I mean, and, which was actually yeah. something that I'd also think I'd been learning on my own because I was like really into doing still photography and just like going up to people on the street. And I'm also just like that's what I'm like when I like like I love you know like basically like just like wherever whenever I like meet a stranger like I'm 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 like you know I know where they live like in in ten minutes you know like uh, <laughs> yeah uh, but uh, but so it was like you know people are really willing to tell their stories. And then also it was like, it was like, wow, um, you can get such an authentic moment with so little, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like I think in film school, everyone was obsessed with like, how do I light this right? How do I manufacture this thing? And it was like, wow, you don't have to do anything. You know, you just have to like sit in front of someone and you can get a moment that feels real, you know, like, um, and that was super instructive for me, like the fact that like listening to someone was like all you needed to do, you know, you you know, you know what I mean? And, and this for sure. And the simplicity of that. And I think I really have sort of been trying to like recreate some of the purity of that, that experience, like since, since then, you know, just like, cause it really was, it was just like me, my dad, a translator and a camera kind of like yeah. riding around and asking people questions. And then my dad would be like, Hey, you know, it'd be great if we could just like get a scene of that guy off doing something. And I would just like go off with the guy and like 
film him cleaning his motorcycle. You know what I mean? Or like, or like, or, or like, you know, it'd be like, uh, Oh, he's doing a sermon. We have to film this. And then I just sort of like watch something and dance around it. And, and, and just sort of like being accustomed to being that guy with the camera in the room, uh, in an inoffensive, but also like still somewhat intrusive way. Like that was a real lesson for me. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just like, I think I I really learned how to like just observe on that trip and and yeah. and, I, and I still really carry that with me, you know. Um yeah, absolutely. When, when did you I ask this question a lot on on the show, but um when did you kind of see or have you seen like in your career that you made something and maybe it's the um maybe it's uh the the short that you talked about. Mm. Um but made something that you're like, "Oh, that's actually like I'm making stuff that I I like now. Like yeah. you know, it, there's there's kind of a stage it seems like of admiring work and mm-hmm. and almost even um, you know emulating people that are kind of like your heroes. And then you start to see it kind of play out in your own work. When did you start to see like maybe I could I could really do this? When did, when did you make something that you were like happy with? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the that short, I, I made a short, I graduated from school and like a year and a half later, I made this short called Oscar the Grouch, which was just about like a, a skater kid in Echo Park. And I think that was the moment at which I was like, I like this process. You know what I mean? Like, like I basically like I cast, uh, like uh, a few non-actors and like improvised a lot of dialogue and like went to real locations and sort of like blended like documentary with with narrative and yeah. and and I was like this is the process that I really want to explore but and I liked like probably 75% of the movie but the whole thing didn't it didn't work as a whole um sure I think the first thing where I was like I'm really happy with this was um I made this music video for this band called uh White Arrows um okay. and uh it's basically just like uh that opening scene from Terminator re- reimagined as like a modern dance like you know where where basically this like naked guy appears in the middle of downtown LA and then he just sort of like stumbles into a bar um, yeah. and, uh, I remember, yeah, I think that was like the first moment where I was like, I just don't give a fuck. And I'm like really enjoying what I'm doing. And then I really liked yeah. And then like, as soon as I felt that, like, I was like, I really, I, and I really, I'm really proud of that videos videos still. Like, I think it's weird and kind of anarchic and, and, and fun and transcendent. And like, those are the qualities that I want all of my work to have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Dan, after you kind of had this documentary experience and coming off of film school and stuff and knowing that you wanted to eventually do bigger kind of feature length stuff, um, how'd you get into music videos? Um, well, I had a friend named, I have a friend named Tony who, who was working at, um, he was working at Atlantic records and, um, and then I, I had some other friends who were like peripherally in the world of music videos, but mostly I think it was my, it was my friend Tony who was like sort of as he knew, you know, we really vibed together and he like knew my work from school and he started working, um, uh, sort of in commissioning at, at Atlantic and, and sort of as a joke, he was like, I'm going to make you into a hip hop director. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
because uh, he like knew that like you know in film school like I liked like I liked like foreign films. I, you know, you know, you know what I mean. So he was like, "What's the?" Right. He's like, "That's the last." You know, hip hop is like the last place that I was would expect you. <laughs> um, and and so like I think through his weird sense of humor and then just also through a few friends, I started writing on on music videos and 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 I um you know I wrote on a bunch of them and didn't get them um and then and then I wrote on one um it's funny I remember I was like I was driving cross country I was tr- driving to meet this girl in North Carolina and um uh and I found out that I got it and I was like oh fuck that means I actually have to make it uh, <laughs> You know, and it was like, it was, but at the time, and, and it was funny, it was like, a, it was like a $5,000 music video. And at the time I was like, that's so much money. I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I could yeah. do anything with $5,000. And I mean, looking back on it now, it's like the music video was about it, like was about a motocross rally in the 1980s. And it had like this stunt at the end where like a motor, uh, a motorcycle like flies off into the sky and then like soars ET style through the sky. <laughs> and uh, and like, I was this guy can do it for for five thousand. Yeah, so let's just do it. Yeah, I was like, I could do that for five thousand. I was like, why not? Like, you know, what does a music video cost? And I don't know how, but like some somehow we did do it. It was really crazy. Like I. I I remember like I was on this road trip on the road trip. I started calling people to like produce it. And, uh, you know, I was like, I had no idea how I would make it. Like I didn't have any friends who did motorcycles or knew anything about motocross. Like I didn't know anything about motocross. And so I just like typed in like motocross Southern California into Google and got this number for this guy. And I called up and I was like, yo, I'm making this music video about a motocross rally in the eighties. Um, we're shooting this date. Do you have any advice? And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, like the weekend that you're shooting is, uh, the largest retro motocross rally of the year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and why don't you just like come to our rally? And I was like, okay, God wants me to make this music video. So <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It was really weird. That's amazing. It was like also the weekend of this rave that we snuck into while we were, shooting. it was really strange. Is that connected? It is. That's not the same video as the generationals video, is it? Yeah, that is the generationals the video. Gen- okay, I did yeah. a, a documentary with generationals like last year. Oh, really? How are they, Ted and Grant? Uh, right? <laughs> they were great. Yeah, I had. Um, we were doing a documentary. Uh, they were on tour with this band called Sylvanesso from uh, Durham, North Carolina, I think. And they were on the same tour, so we ended up doing like some stuff with them. And I freaking love those guys, man. Their music isn't like I, I wonder like why they're not huge right now. Yeah, no, you know they're I mean? and they're really they're really good guys. Also, right, like right, it, it's funny we um so I got that music video and I was on this road trip out to North Carolina and uh, I got an email from their management being like. Grant and Ted would love to like talk to you on the phone. And I emailed back. I was like, well, I'm actually going to be in, they, they live in new Orleans. And so I was like, I was like, I'm right. actually going to be in new Orleans, like in two days, can we just meet up? And, and so like, uh, I, uh, met up with them in new Orleans and we ended up going out for like this long night in Treme, like 
drinking whiskey and listening to this like yeah. big brass band. Um, and it's uh, amazing. It was it was wonderful, but it, but it, but it was like I really enjoyed that that sort of spirit um, that they that they had. They're just like really unpretentious and like in it for the right right, right reasons, you know. Right. Yeah. So then you continued on making stuff. Tell me, uh, I tell me about the. Um, <laughs> we're gonna have to. I, I really want to keep talking, but we're gonna have to wrap up kind of soon. Tell me totally. about this. Um, this. DJ Khaled the thing how did that land <laughs> right squarely in your lap um well I mean through Mark like I I met Mark in a really weird way uh uh yeah I mean they sort of the story of how I got that is sort of how I'm how I met Mark and I I I'd been like churning out like you know really really low budget videos for like a year and a half or something like that and yeah um, and I was with this girl and we broke up and I was really depressed. I was really, really sad. And my dad felt bad for me and, uh, had, he, he had not to give away Mark's politics, but my dad had made this, had, had helped on the Howard Dean campaign years ago and okay. through helping on the Howard Dean campaign had Mark Romanek's email address. Um, <laughs> And, and he emailed because he felt bad that this girl had broken up with me. My dad emailed Mark, my reel and, uh, Mark, Mark wrote him back and said, like, uh, I get these kind of reels every day. Um, uh, and mostly they're really bad, but like Daniel's work is great. And, uh, I'd love to get coffee with him. And so like I got coffee with him and he was, you know, himself he was like awesome and really nice and really selfless and and really interested and um uh which so surprised me like not that i thought he was going to be an asshole but like i just assumed that i couldn't possibly like have a conversation with uh with with someone at his level and right uh and then he like you know and then basically like he's just been pimping me uh, in a really, good, <laughs> in a really good way for, for like, for like a year. And, um, he got me in a anonymous and then, um, and then he sent me a text message. Like I just finished, I was like, uh, I've been working on this documentary about, uh, bad boy records. Um, nice. and, uh, in the midst of that, he, he called me and he was like, uh, or he sent me a text message and he, he was like, he was like, Hey, there's this Jay-Z video. Do you want to do it? And do you want to write on it? And I was like, no question. Uh, and I like wrote on it. And 24 hours later, like I got a text from rock nation. And then 24 hours later, I was like, I don't know. I think I was like on a plane to New York or something like that. So like, it just, That's ridiculous. it just really, it really happened fast. Like we had to put the whole video together in like three days. So, my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. This is funny, Jared, because we, uh, damn, we just literally had a conversation, like an hour long conversation about uh, how to like reach out to other filmmakers. Uh-huh. And this is like a, like a, like a great story of just like, like how amazing it could happen. You know what I mean? And obviously, Mark is a great dude. And, yeah. Um, your dad kind of helped out, but like, th- that's kind of like a, I mean, 
That is pretty crazy. Like a turn of events. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So on a, on a totally um, different note, I follow DJ Khaled on Snapchat. Who doesn't? Cool. And, um, <laughs> does he, and follow, he, seems does like he the, follow you back or? Oh, no. Oh, no, okay. no. Um, he just seems like the most insane personality in the world. So I'm just curious what that was, what in the world that set was like. Um, well, again, like I just finished shooting this documentary about Puff Daddy and Bad Boy. Um, yeah. So. You really have become so, a hip hop director. So, so, yeah, DJ Khaled was, was easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, did he, did he, he was he, really nice. He was a really nice guy. He like I'm sure he was. Yeah, yeah he, he like sent me text messages thanking me. Uh, you know, so like yeah. that's really awesome, man. Yeah, he was really nice. Um, dude, I I really love the video. I, I'm curious. Um, you know, we talked about it earlier as being like a white male, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this went through your head constantly <laughs> making this this video. Um, how do you speak to like the themes of that video? Is that difficult for you? Um, like, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. totally. You mean like, how, you mean like as like a, a, a white guy? As like a white male, how do you, how do you, yeah, like it seems like, um, totally. Uh, just like a difficult thing to talk to when it's featuring like three black guys, you know, like artists. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, like totally. I think, I mean, totally. And, and I'm sure despite my best efforts, like I still made a video that probably, I'm probably on some level. It still feels like it was. It, like I'm. I'm. I'm still sure. Like, like it could have been uh, much better and more authentic. But like, oh no, uh, dude. That's but but, but yeah. But just more like no no no. But go ahead. Go like ahead. that's just like my prelude in saying like. I mean, the first thing is like uh, like uh, you know, coming from documentary is like the biggest thing for me. Like acknowledging that regardless of the subject that I'm making. I'm never going to know any sort of objective truth about it, you know? And, and yeah, so, well, yeah. so like my, 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 my process is always just like ask questions. Like I've never been to prison. Yeah, that's great. So like, so like I, you know, uh, I, in fact, I didn't even see the prison that we were going to shoot into until like two days before we shot. So like we got, yeah. we got, we got to the prison and like the first thing that I did was I just like asked the prison guard to like walk me through what it's like. Mm. uh, checking someone in and out of jail, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and then in terms of like working with actors, it's like, I try not to like tell, I mean, there are certain things that I'm like, I like, walk down the hall, but like in terms of like, in terms of like, you know, uh, what the experience is like, like, I mean, really it's just a matter of like working with intelligent, intuitive people. And in terms of me, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just like having respect. I mean, then in terms of like, but then on top of that, like, I think a lot of it was just like, again, working with really intelligent, intuitive people, like the, uh, cinematographer for the video is, um, this guy, Bradford Young, who's like an amazing, uh, cinema- cinematographer. I had no idea. That's incredible. Yeah. He's, he's, he's an amazing cinematographer <laughs> and he brought so much, uh, authenticity to it. Um, and, uh, authenticity is sort of a, condescending word but i mean i mean he's just like a fucking smart guy and really intuitive and uh you know challenged me um and same with like the production designer um who's this guy named akeen he he like just brought a lot of really um tactile detail and heart to it i mean for me it's mostly just like about trying to find 
uh, heart and really like not, yeah. you know, in terms of this video, like it's funny in many ways, this video is like the macro version of this Waka Flocka video that I did. Like I did this Waka Flocka yeah. video in Atlanta. Um, that was scary. Like for me, that was like totally unhinged and weird. Like that was the first hip hop video that I did. Um, uh, it involved shooting in like a real crack house. Uh, yeah. like we had like hundreds of people around who all had guns, you know, like, Jeez. like, like that was scary to me. Like this, like, especially after working on the Puff Daddy thing was like, most of these guys are just like professionals, you know what I mean? Like, so, so, yeah. so, so the actual environment of like working one-on-one -on -one with them is like, was fine. Um, yeah. I, th I think T.I. and 2 Chains kind of, like, laughed at me because I, like, sort of talk like a white guy. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but, be but beyond that, like, in terms of, like, working with the themes, you know, like, I really just think it's a matter of being curious and engaged. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like, we, yeah. li we, like we live in America, so, like, race is kind of our, our, you know, like, race and racial issues are, like, pertinent for anyone. And so just, like, yeah. being, being curious about that and... Yeah, just like and like kind of vulnerable and earnest, like not not acting like you know more than you do. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know shit. I'm just like you know I have my best guess, and then I'm working, and then and then you know just trying to work with honest, intelligent people. Yeah, you know that's awesome. How did you come to uh, work with Bradford on it on that? Um, was it just like a the producer aim high kind of? Thing? Yeah, no, no. I was like the, I was asked like you know try to choose a cinematographer, and I was like I would love to work with. Bradford Young and and I was told that he doesn't you know do music videos and so I'm like really honored that he um, that's amazing agreed to do it and and it was it was all because of like the producer Aaron um, uh, was friends with him and had worked with him before and she reached out so I'm like very I hope that Aaron listens to this and is like and is uh, you know understands how grateful I am because he I think he brought so much to it and. Um, uh, yeah, but like every, yeah, I don't know. Like Aaron was also really great. Just like, you know, like the whole crew was, um, was amazing in terms of just like, uh, and, and for, you know, it was, it was really interesting for me cause it was also like, uh, it was my first time working with most of them and just like being able to work with people who, you know, you don't, you barely need to tell them anything and they just like, they already know the right yeah. sort of thing to do. You know, right, that was right. refreshing for me. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? Um, well, I'm I'm working on completing this feature doc about uh, Bad Boy Records. It's sort of awesome. like it's like the 20 year history of um, the record label mixed with them rehearsing for like three weeks for the uh, two night reunion show that they did oh, at Barclays last month. So it's sort of like oh it's sort of like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like a it's like a verite documentary uh about like these legends of hip hop and uh it was really cool to make. So I'm doing that That's and awesome. then and then I have like a feature that I'm trying to make, basically. Oh fantastic. That's great, yeah. dude. All right, last thing. Um For sure. What would you say to just a younger filmmaker who's um you know, like early in the process? Like what would you say from your experience? Um just, uh, God, I don't know. Probably don't trust anything that I say. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, just do it. I mean, it's funny. It's like I, I had this friend who I remember was calling up producers like right after he got out of film school. And, and he's like, no one's giving me advice. They're all just saying like, 
just like go out and make something. And I know that I know that seems like the most <laughs> like as a young filmmaker, you hear that and you're like, oh, fuck you, man. Like that's not advice. <laughs> but but I really I, I really feel like like just like. I made so many things that I hated and then I just decided to make another thing right. and, and, yeah. and just like, you know, right. doing, doing that, um, doing that and, uh, just trying to, yeah, be, be open to people. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, thanks for coming on. Seriously. Hey, thank, it. thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. It was really nice to meet you. This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko as we like to refer to him, Christian number two. And our good podcast logo was designed by Eric Hurchin. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs. You can check out more of his stuff on CubbySounds.com. Also, you can find other fun stuff at goodthepodcast.com. <laughs>